0: When you're royalty free, you can let it roll as long as you want to. <laughs> I know I've got it. I like it more and more every time we play it. Uh, thank you again to uh, to the show listener. You can go back and listen to last week's edition of the Daily News if you want the full background and the new intro music here for the Mike Daily Podcast with some piano rocking us into a Saturday here on CFP. Thank you for being with us as always. Follow us on social media at CF Perspectives where you can find us. And of course, we want to give a big thank you and a shout out to our good friends and sponsors, really our our lovers. That's how we like to consider them. They're the ones that make the the world go round on this one. Uh, Fox 40, I'm sure they'll be happy to know that I'm calling them our lovers on this one, Mike. uh, Yeah, they might not
1: be in for the next (laughs)
0: episode. (laughs) Uh, Fox 40, start your season off right as we hope to. We'll get to that in just a second with products from our partners at Fox 40. Outfit your coaching staff with custom logoed Fox 40 whistles, gear, coaching boards, and more. Visit fox40shop.com. And use code CFP15 at checkout for 15% off of your entire order. I just crawled out of the woods to come and do this podcast. That's how much I love this man, everybody. That's how much I want to talk with Mike Daly about football. I crawled out of the woods. Crawled Uh, out of the
1: woods, tore up your house, and now (laughs) we're here.
0: (laughs) Missing keys and dead fobs and all sorts of chicanery uh, has happened throughout the day. But uh, in all seriousness like the draft happens and then all of a sudden it's like yeah rookie camp's coming up and start to get a sense for oh, okay momentum's building and then i'm totally off the grid totally off social media everything and i just like open up my phone and i see victor Quee, the president of the edmonton elks like tweeting out videos of players on the field and then it's like hey ottawa's on the field and hey hamilton's in. and you start i'm like oh my it's happening there yeah. are there are human beings wearing CFL uniforms that are on football fields right now. Um, as somebody, and this is, might be a, a bit of a vulnerable question, but I have to ask you honestly because I know you'll give me an honest answer, Mike. As somebody who has been in the league and has seen this stuff and has felt the excitement, to be on the outside in right now looking at it, you want into the game. I was talking to your agent last week at East West, and he's like, <laughs> "Hey, don't get too comfortable doing that podcast with Mike because I'm going I'm to get him in the league." And I said. Jokes on you, Fred. When you get them in the league, we're doing the podcast. Uh, Should <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, be I mean, even better. <laughs> but how do you how do you perceive that as you see people showing up for rookie camp? This is the first time in a long time that you have been on field as CFL camps start to roll up. Even though I know you usually wouldn't be in rookie camp.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I alluded to it when we talked to Dane last week, and camp is like that that bittersweet moment where The first couple days are awesome because you get in there, you see all the guys that you were playing with. Some of the new guys start meeting all of them. And then you're just, it's with a group of guys that you like being around that are all like you. And you're excited because everyone's excited to play. They've been training all off season. They're excited to get started back up. And then you go through the first day. You're like, yeah, that was, that was awesome. Go through the second day. You're like, okay, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Hit about the third or fourth thing, you're like, I can't feel my legs anymore. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but I don't think I can wake up in the morning and run again. And then you start looking at the amount of days you have at training camp. You're like, I got to figure it out somehow. I'm yeah. not built for this, but I'm going to have to get through it. And you do. And But, yeah, so bittersweet to see everyone back on there. I know the rookie camps, it's hit or miss on with what teams do if they bring them out or they don't or whatever. Right. Um, but bittersweet, that's, that's for sure. If it's one of those things where you miss training camp, but you're fresh for week one, perfect.
0: Yeah. That's how it goes,
1: you know yeah. what I mean?
0: That's what, Every time in the NFL when I see guys being like, I'm a hold out, I'm like, you're just, you're just old. You just don't want to you just there. don't want to go to training yeah. camp. Uh, how was your rookie camp experience? Did you actually have a rookie camp in the year that you got brought in by the Cats?
1: Yeah, so my first year was the only rookie camp that I oh. think we had. And I remember going, it was three days and there's we call it the three-day hump so after third day that's when your legs get really sore so imagine like going in the gym and doing a huge heavy leg workout and then that next day or two at that second day when you can't even sit down on the toilet because it hurts so bad that's what that day three hump is so then by the time you hit day four you can't even feel your legs so That's when the vets came in. So we had the three-day rookie camp, which was just regular training camp, essentially just with rookies, which when it's the CFL and you're always bringing in these new Americans, I mean, you have enough rookies to field an entire training camp. Then the vets come in. They're fresh. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about how sore our legs are, how how much more practices we have, how tired we are, stuff like that. And then these vets come in who have played before, have experience. And they're fresh and it's like, okay, day four, one-on-ones that you line up against a vet because you want to go against a vet, right? And you line up and you're like, this is, this guy's like second or third rep. And I can't feel my legs.
2: <laughs> and
1: now I have to go run full speed with this guy everywhere. So these depend on how these rookie camps go. It can be pretty tough for those rookies, but it's good because it's trial by fire. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, the interesting dynamic that I experienced in Calgary, I wrote this week on CFL.ca about my internship program uh, experience. And just because Christina Costabile said, hey, would you like to write about the QB internship program? It could be like from your perspective or about any of the nine guys that are in this year. And I said, honestly, I was only there for two weeks, but I have like a lifetime of stories from just being in and around the building because it was such an interesting quarterback room. It's like, Huffnagle played QB. Dickinson played QB. At that time, it was head coach and offensive coordinator because Huff hadn't moved up to the front office yet. It was KG. It was Bill Levi Mitchell. It was uh, Drew Tate. Uh, Jimmy Coy was a young quarterback out of Chicago. That was like the basically the camp arm, like the fourth, fifth string guy. Um, but you know, Drew Tate had the long, shaggy hair. And had, was coming off an elbow issue. And so they, like, wouldn't let him throw in rookie camp. KG had no goddamn interest in throwing in rookie camp. He's like, <laughs> rookie camp? What the hell are you talking about? Uh, Bo Levi wanted to. And they're like, Bo, save it. Like, we, we want to make sure that we give you a fair shot in training camp to show what you can do. And so Brad Sinopoli and I actually threw that training camp. Even though Brad was moving from quarterback to receiver in rookie camp, they said, Brad, you know the whole offense. We can burn out your arm in rookie camp because you're playing receiver now for us. So I got to throw with Sinopoli for, for I think it was a two-day camp. And, man.
1: The Canadian connection right oh there. Oh, my
0: God. Like, th- that dude can rip it. Like, I know he still can, even though he's out there fishing on Instagram 24 hours a day. But he, I mean, it was amazing to watch Sinopoli throw side by side because I watched him the odd time, you know, in, when we played against Ottawa or, you know, watching him on film of different things or on television – um, but he was so incredibly talented. And uh, so the reason I bring this up is because the dynamic of being, you know, the rookies per se, and getting a little bit burnt out, and then having the vets come in, there's two things that I found really interesting that even though I wasn't trying to make the team, I was just an intern, I was intimidated by these two things. One was that Charleston Hughes and Nick Lewis and these guys like swaggered into the locker room with like, Hey, and like catching up with everybody as all the rookies are like, please let me find a Pedialyte and tub like, <laughs> stub like anything. And you see yeah. them come in and they're so rambunctious because they're so comfortable in their environment because they know how this stuff goes down. And mm-hmm. it's like, you're a rookie, you're trying to survive. You're looking around and being like, I just don't want to mess up anything and I want to be at meetings on time. And, and these guys come in and it's like, it seems like they don't even have to look at the schedule. They're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're doing that same thing. Okay, cool. And the other thing that I found super intimidating was myself and Jimmy Coy coming in, we're trying to learn the offense and get up to speed and understand the terminology. And, you know, Dickinson would walk past Drew Tate or KG in the hallway. He'd be like, hey, you remember when we used to run, uh, you know, Z Sally? He'd be like, oh, yeah, we're – yeah, we're gonna whip it the backside this time. We're actually gonna go day one tomorrow. You'll see it in the script, but like we're, we added a little tag at the end there on the whip. And Drew would be like, "Okay, so we're gonna whip it, and then on the front side we're gonna run a diagonal." You'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, like we always do." Okay, cool. And it's like, whoa! Like they the the playbook is already in there. They don't even have to understand half this stuff if the systems haven't changed from year to year. And as a rookie, when you're sitting in a meeting room and somebody's you're sitting up, there
1: just scrambling, writing some, notes as they're yeah, talking, like, wait, what hold a
0: whip on the, okay, what is what, that again? What do you even write? Like, because they're, <laughs> they're talking in a different language because they are so comfortable in the spot that they are and the work that they do and that they've previously done. Um, you experienced it actually trying to make a roster. I was just there observing, but I remember feeling like, Oh God, I don't belong here at all. The way that these people came in with so much confidence and understanding everything that goes into this.
1: Yeah. And I kind of, I kind of went through it. Well, actually, you know what? I want to go back yeah. to the Snopoli thing really quick because people forget how good of a quarterback he was <laughs> at Ottawa. And you played and against second,
0: in that secondary, right? So like, you know.
1: Yeah. He was, he was electrifying. He was awesome. But second, he ruined the Canadian quarterback position. For like 10 years, because every quarterback that came out after him to the draft, they're like, hey, can you play receiver? And they would just want to change any CFL team would want to change these quarterbacks to receivers right away. Because they're like, there's this guy in uh, Calgary. He's doing pretty good. <laughs> this Snopoli guy. He's He's freaking awesome. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to change you to the receiver and you're going to be Snopley. And just guys are like, what are you talking about? He, he right?
0: threw like a 35 yard corner route that I swear to God, didn't come 10 yards off the turf. Like uh, it, it was a missile. That was a straight shot. He also invited me to go fishing next time I call a game in Ottawa. So I'll have to, maybe, you know what? Maybe I'll do a CFP podcast from, from Brad Snopley's boat.
1: Yeah. Stu, so, well. he, I heard he was on the field and, and not a training camp which is that. pretty cool that he's back involved, but yeah. yeah, to go back to the training camp stuff. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a different world. Cause I've been through the, you know, exactly what you talked about. These vets coming in, you're rookie, just met some new people. You're finally getting comfortable by day three and then all these vets coming, you're like, Oh my God, these guys have, this is a different world now. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're used to this. Uh, you can tell they're comfortable and I'm sitting here being like comfortable. Like I've been fighting for my life for three days, but then I've gone to the point where I've gotten to that point where it's like, okay, I know what this is about. It's easy. Yeah. But yeah, those first couple years where you're like, okay, I might get cut and I really have to work hard. Every train camp, can't make up a, can't make a mistake. Like that's the biggest thing is when you're in that one or two first or second year where you're fighting for that spot, I'll tell you what, the emotional roller coaster that you have in those days and just day to day, I'm talking a single day, the emotional roller coaster, because teams now do power practices. So, quick update on power practice. all of this is the old school two a days just jammed into one. So, now instead of it being a two and a half hour practice, big break, two and a half hour practice, they just said, okay, four and a half hours, here we go. So, it's a long day, and all you do is you get you go from special teams to team periods to competes to one on one. So, you're getting all these different reps, and by the end of the day, you've probably had about 50 reps, right? And when one goes really well, you're on top of the world, right? One goes not so well, you're at the lowest point you can, and this just fluctuates all day long, all day, and then you get off the field to where you can breathe again you're exhausted because it's hot you're trying to drink as much water as you can and then you're like oh now i gotta go to film and watch all of that again and i know where i screwed up i know where i had a good play and yeah so you're it's an emotional roller coaster day to day and then over a month period of time where you're like I mean, after a while, you're just numb to things. (laughs) You're just walking
0: around, your eyes are wide open, you're
1: like, am I doing good? Am I not doing well? I don't know.
0: You know what I mean? And it's hard to get a sense sometimes in a training camp scenario for what your overall body of work is saying about you. And and sometimes, sometimes you know, like sometimes you're being straight up outplayed consistently, but the nature of football and the nature of matchups within your team is that you're not always going to dominate and you're not always going to get dominated. So you're always going to have these ups and downs. and It really comes into a question of, okay, what do they value? And then there's the business side, which we'll get to in a second, coming up with all these CBA negotiations is the idea that what do they want out of me and how do I fit into the grand landscape of their roster creation? And like, it's, you know this, Mike, there's people every single year in the CFL at this time in the next couple of weeks here who go out to camp as a veteran ball out. They're a lock. Oops, Chris Van Zyl gets let go by the Argos and he lands in Hamilton and he continues a, a great career. It's yeah. like, the hell is, like, I was talking to somebody from the Argos a couple of weeks ago, and they were just like, man, we were kicking ourselves because we offered Riker Matthews a bunch of money, and he didn't end up wanting to stay, with, like, go to us, and we had Chris Van Zyl, and we let him go, and within days, they were the bookend tackles of the Hamilton Tiger Cats who were on their way to the Grey Cup in 2019, and they were just like, what did we just do? But mm-hmm. that's that is a great example with Chris of just, like, they deemed that it was the end of the road, and Chris is like, the hell it is?
1: Right. Yeah. Let me just go play lights out over uh, down the road. And that's the thing though. And what's wild is in your first couple of years, none of that matters. You yeah. don't care. Cause you don't know, you really don't know. So you, you see a couple of vets. Like I remember my first year we let go of a couple of vets that I actually played. Like we're talking uh, Ryan Hines and Matt Buckner and who had good camps, yeah. who had good camps and we let go of them. And Matt, ended up going to play um, in Winnipeg for a while and start there. And then I think Ryan went to Edmonton.
0: I forgot about Ryan. He was a good player.
1: Yeah. And he went and started there and that's just how it is. Right. That's, that's literally how it is. You go into camp, they have a good camp and then it's a business decision at the end of the day. So you can, you know, and, and it happens all the time. So you can't, it's hard to judge. You said it perfectly. It's hard to judge that body of work because, that's a part of it. It's a big part of it. Don't get it. Don't get twisted. Like you go out and you have a really good camp. You make it undeniable to keep you around. Right. It's a big part of it, but it's, it is also just a part because there's a lot of other parts and that's, that's the reality of it. And that's reality. Once you start putting money in people's hands, that's how it goes. Right. Working under salary caps, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's crazy to see. And it happens every year. But like I said, the biggest part is you go out, you play really well, you make it undeniable. And I think that's, you know, where these rookies need to get to because the vets, that's where you see that fluctuation. The rookies, if you play well, you stick around.
0: Yeah, well said. Um, The last thing I want to mention here about training camps is uh, I just, I want your best and worst training camp experiences. Like what, what, what's the moment where you were like, oh man, like I, I crushed it. I am in such a good spot right now, or I made a great play, or I just, I've had a great week or where you were coming to a training camp and you're like, I will always remember this. And then the one where you came out of training camp and you're like, oh,
1: oh my God,
0: not my best. <laughs> you're work. talking,
1: you're talking specific
0: days okay it it, it could be days it could be plays it could be a week it could I just want like because as a player there's always these things that kind of like stick inside of you for better or worse of like I felt cherished and appreciated and like I had done done something good with my career and then there's other times we walk off the field and you're like I do not like how this feels.
1: (laughs) yeah okay um the probably the worst I'll go with the worst because that was way easier to remember
0: um, isn't it weird how psychology works that way? Oh man.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, you hear about all the time. We, when we were doing the social media thing, right? Yeah. You can have a a thousand, hey, you're doing a good job. One, now ah, you kind of suck. You're like, yep. what? Yep. I suck. But anyway, uh the worst was probably I was so all off season I couldn't run, couldn't pump my arm because I had an issue going on in my shoulder. Hmm. And I set out the maybe the first week of training camp. Cause I just couldn't get it better. And I was rehabbing. And I was like, no nah, I don't want surgery. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. And I remember getting out to training camp in that first day, we had a little drill and I went to hit somebody and I, and I made it through that training camp ended up playing that season, but only for a game until I blew it. Um, but I remember hitting a guy in training camp and it was feeling good, feeling good, rested it. And then there was this one drill where I hit a guy and my arm just didn't feel good. And I'll tell you what, from that point up until the first game, it was like a mental downhill slide because I was like, this thing's still not good enough. You know what I mean? So then I had to go through. I knew. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew. And I was like, "Uh, it'll just hold. It'll hold. I'll put it. I'll brace it. It'll hold. It'll be fine. It wasn't fine. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Braced. It wasn't fine. And that's what it is. It's part of it. Right. But ended up doing the, the rest of that training camp. And I remember in my head, I was just like, I was so upset because I was like, "God!" And it was like he couldn't focus on anything else. So that was probably the worst experience, just mentally wise. Um, and then the best is probably coming back in my second year. So I had got sent back to Mac for my final year,
0: suspended and list. Then, you were on the naughty list that year.
1: Yeah, people were reaching out, like, "What the hell did you do? Like <laughs> your rookie you get put on the suspended list?" And I think it was me and somebody else that was actually suspended. I forget who it was, (laughs) so they are like, God, did you get in a fight? What happened? Like, who'd you talk to? But no, I guess it's just the way they protected me at that time. I don't know. That's a a whole other background thing, the way they do that kind of stuff.
0: Burying you in the Um, roster so nobody can pick you up?
1: Yeah, it's weird, but they were sending me back anyway. So I'm not sure how that works, but they're like, hey, we're going to suspend you. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Whatever you say, you can just (laughs) – do whatever you want. <laughs> bring you back.
0: It's so funny because, like, at that point in your career, they could walk up to you and be like, "Hey, we're gonna put you on the murdered list," and uh, and you'd be like, <laughs> "But so we'll sounds- bring
1: you back next season." You're like, "Yeah,
0: do sure, it. sounds good." Do great it, to me. it,
1: yep, Done. <laughs> sure. <laughs> whatever you say. <laughs> but my second year coming back, I remember I made a play on, uh, I think it was Task Tasker. Yeah. Over the middle, he ran like a dig route, and it was day one had a pick in the, uh, the team period. And then we went to Skelly after that. And then he, he ran the dig route. And I remember seeing it. I remember being like, Oh, cause my first year, it was just like people running everywhere. It looked like there was a hundred people out on the field. And I remember being back there, reading, boom, this guy went under, went over here. This guy went out. Okay. Look back to too strong dig and it drove it, made a play on it. And I remember getting up and being like, holy shit. I can see things out here. I was like, this is getting a little easier. And I'm going off the thing. And Courtney was there. And I looked at him. I was like, it's getting easier, man. It's getting easier. And he's like, yeah, good play. All right. (laughs) At that point I was like, I can do this. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You know what I mean? And it was
0: such a cool feeling, man, for you to be like, I just made a professional football play against a professional football receiver in a professional football training camp. You're like looking around. You're like, look at me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) i'm doing the thing yeah but
1: nobody else cares right because everyone's like hey good play and then it's just the next play because everybody's going through exactly what i said but exactly what you, i okay so i get two reps for that period right two reps because you're sharing it you're like okay gotta do all these two reps do well for the one rep and the other one whatever probably throwing away i ran to the ball as hard as i could (laughs) look at me run you know what i mean (laughs) uh, That I make that play and I'm sitting on the sideline and doing exactly what you said. Talk to Courtney for a half second. And then I'm looking around just by myself being like, yeah, yeah, okay, I could do this. We
0: can do this. Uh, man,
1: what, what, Nobody cares.
0: Whatever you got to do. Positive self-talk is a hell of a thing, but uh, <laughs> but that's good. We did, uh, before we wrap up this pod, we do want to talk for a little bit here on uh, things that are happening, CBN negotiations. Otherwise, uh, Mike has an interesting perspective on this, but I just wanted to start it off from the Jason Greger show uh, on Wednesday of this week with Farhan Lalji, giving some background here on some of the things um, that have been happening in negotiations. And by the time that you're listening to this, in all honesty, because we are taping this on Wednesday evening, uh, the CBA might be done, like everything might yeah, be locked hopefully. up. And yeah, like, I mean, we're obviously hoping that that is going to be the case, but uh, you know, if, if this is you know posted and it doesn't have that much context, I just want to let people know transparently ahead of time. We're taping this a little bit ahead. It fits into our schedules. We're dads. We got things going on. Uh, and so I wanted to be Marsh able to... I'm just tearing
1: it. apart his apartment Yeah, stuff.
0: i just ripping things uh, <laughs> across the entire board. But anyways, here's a little bit of background on, on CBA, where it stands as of Wednesday this
3: week. Now they're not going to go on strike, so they'll just accept our deal. Um, my understanding is the, the PA is in a better position for them to at least contemplate. I don't know if they would ever do a strike legally or illegally but uh, what do you think happens here do you think players will be on the field friday that's a great question jason and thanks for having me guys um i look i have a difficult time thinking there's going to be um an extended strike could we be delayed by a couple of days it's possible uh, at the same time you know there's a bit of timing that is required in order for a lawful strike to take place so yes. you know they, the, the PA has got to decide that like if you look at Alberta I think they need to give 72hour strike notice from the expiration of the CBA so the earliest they could theoretically go on strike in Alberta is um, is is Wednesday so do they want to stop any potential strike until Wednesday so does that mean everybody's got to get on the field for three days and then you pull it out um, it's it's complicated you know and then I, I think in uh, Quebec they've got to give even longer strike notice before they go on strike they they couldn't necessarily let those teams go first so it, it's a bit awkward in terms of timing but i think a lot of it we're going to get some clarity today my understanding is there's been some positive movements now that's not to say they're remotely close to an agreement um, but that there has been some uh, meaningful movement so uh, we'll see what that leads to you know and if the pa feels that this is headed in the right direction they could you know delay any kind of action or or you know just serve notice but not begin a strike. So I think they're serious about it, but quite frankly, I thought they were serious about it in 19. Uh, the, the, when I talk to the people uh, involved, they're like, oh, well, you should see how galvanized we are. Well, I, that's that's what I heard in 19. But when you get all the players here and you get them up to camps and they're ready to go, then an actual vote to strike has to occur, right? So, yes, they had a vote earlier to give them the power to strike, but usually how this works is at the end before making a decision, there's a proposal that they get an opportunity to vote on. That's when it becomes difficult to actually vote on a strike. So um, they're far from a strike at this point. And uh, you know, people on the league side certainly think there's enough time to get it done. I have a hard time thinking we're going to see any kind of meaningful disruption at this point, though. Uh,
0: he also went on to say in that interview a couple of other things that I just want to mention here. He said, uh, I don't want to see another three-year deal. Farhan said they would better be some meat on the bone when we're uh, going to have to talk about this for a long period of time. Uh, There's no chance the league is going to lose a game, let alone a season out of all of this. It's just not going to happen. But the fans are tired of it. No matter who thinks they have the moral high ground, the fans are tired of it. And he says, I really, really believe money is the primary focus here. And trying to get the salary cap move forward a little bit to have some mechanism in place to continued growth in that regard. So you can listen to the full interview if you want, tsn.ca. Uh, It is up on there, but Mike, I I don't know where you want to go with all this. I just know that it's an interesting topic and you've seen it from the inside out. You were nodding your head a lot at some of the comments there on strike, not strike, how, how things get communicated amongst the players.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, being a part of it in 2019 and then again, whenever it was earlier on in my career, maybe 2015, if I'm correct or not. Um, But the biggest thing is both of those other times where we were talking about striking, we were already all at camp. So the biggest issue there was, okay, we're voting to strike, but you're going to have to cover where you stay and where you eat and stuff like that. So when you're talking about guys coming there to make a team, right, especially some guys that didn't work in the off season or just fresh out of college or university, like, man, we don't have any money for this. Like we can't, we can't strike for a long time a long period of time the difference between this one is it seems like and this is to be seen because I know they're telling quarterbacks to stay home right which is huge if you can get the quarterbacks to stay home they're the ones that drive this league teams can't win without them you don't want you don't want a guy like Zach or Bo Levi or Dane or Mazzoli not to be there and then have to try to figure out a team with that point right like Receivers, DBs, linemen, you can always get other ones. You know what I mean? So to have the quarterback stay home, that's a huge thing. And then for them to pay for room and board, if guys are there for this strike, that's another big thing. The only thing is once you're there, I'm sure that no one's going to want to strike at that point. Right? Like there, I think there will be some, and if the deal's not getting worked out, the players will bond together and they'll follow the direction. The only thing is these things don't last very long, right? Like everyone looks at that first proposal deal. Well, that's kind of how the negotiations go, right? Scare them initially. And then everyone takes a step back and we get to like some sort of common ground. And that's just how it's gone the past two years. So it's interesting though, because I see the initial proposal, how true it is or not right you see it and it it was pretty far off from like the reaction of our pa they were like absolutely not absolutely not right and before it was always like well there's something there there's something there so that's where i see it going and it's it's kind of nerve wracking because it seems like yeah they do have a little more pull on this strike because they're getting quarterbacks to stay home right they're telling guys to delay their flights that's to be seen, though. So when you see that pop up, that guys are delaying the flights, some guys are like, you know what? I'm trying to make this team. I'm going. Do you know what I mean? Like there's too many guys out there that aren't the top vets that are like, I'm scared not to make this team. I'm going. I'm going to do everything I possibly can. If the strike doesn't let me practice, then so be it. But I'm going to be there. And then if everybody gets there, that's where the problem becomes, because then it's, while well, everyone's waiting for a practice and it's easy to sign a CBA.
0: It's such an interesting dynamic. I, I haven't listened to this. I'm just scrolling through Twitter because again, if you're just joining us here on the podcast, which this would be a weird time to join. Uh, I just, <laughs> I crawled out of the woods, but Darren Bombing uh, posted this from Winnipeg media availability of fifth year quarterback, Dakota Prukop explaining why he is taking part in Bomber's rookie camp while most veteran quarterbacks across the league are not, as the CFL PA and the CFL work on a new CBA. All
2: the quarterbacks, we've talked quite a bit, um, had quite a few conversations. The PA's been involved, and what it came down to is, you know, everyone's situation was a little different. You you got the veterans with solidified jobs or veterans competing against other veterans. You got another group, which is the group I'm in, which is, I'm a veteran, but I'm competing against rookie tag guys and a new offense, a new playbook. So with the support of the other veterans around the league, um, you know, guys had no problem with me coming and competing, you know, for my job. Um, and then the you know the leadership on this team has been great. I reached out to Zach and, and Adam, and uh, just checked with them because the biggest thing is you don't want to create any kind of disruption or, or uh, friction on the team. And uh, from my conversations with them, no one thought that would be the case because while the PA were standing to, you know, make a statement. We also still taking care of guys, and I just wasn't in the position that uh, you know to be able to put myself at a competitive disadvantage, competing against really great, uh, great quarterbacks, just to have a rookie tag.
0: So there you go. Yeah, a little bit of what you're saying, right, is like there's such a there's all these different classes of players from around the league that approach these things differently based on their situation, and like if if Zach felt as though he was going to be challenged by Dakota Prukop, he might not like that. But Zach is a made man. Zach has won back-to-back great cups. He's like, I don't give a damn. Like, go do whatever you're going to do, man. Like, I'm still going to show up. I'm still going to be the starter. I'm still going to ball out. I might be the MOP. Like, that's my thing. So that's a whole different situation than, like, if I'm Nathan Rourke, I'd love to be in my second year of rookie camps because I'm the presumed starter. And and it's like, well, him and Michael O'Connor, if they go in, well, that's technically, as of right now, outside of, you know, Isaac Harker that's your your one two three combination of quarterbacks like all those dudes need all the reps that they can get to get up to speed with preseason starting in 12 13 days but every situation is different and it just might mm-hmm. not fit what that team situation is right now and the dynamic and the, like dakota Prukop was talking about the leadership structure and the, all of these things so i just as somebody who's never experienced it watching it from the outside in i just think it's incredible how many different decisions have to be made because there's a crazy amount of moving pieces here that I think the average fan just goes, get on the field or don't get on the field, fix the issues, meet in the middle. Let's go. Let's play ball. That's all I see on Twitter all day is figure it out. Let's go. And it's like, yeah, as which a, as a player, not, you're yeah, sitting there. Can't and happen that way. What, but what are you thinking when you see things like that, where it's just like, Hey guys, meet in the middle. Who cares? Move on.
1: Well, yeah, I, it's not that easy though. Right. Because we're talking about a whole bunch of different things, right? The Canadian content gets brought up. The global stuff and then it's the salary cap like the biggest change that we had i think in 2019 uh, you have to fact check me on this but <laughs> when we got minimum up to 65 and we fought for that right that's huge and then to raise the salary cap i mean we're competing against other leagues yeah. and in order to get these american guys down we need to have competitive wedge- wages.
0: wages <laughs> hungry little <old> potato <laughs> wedges
1: competitive wages They
0: also in to order get the, to get with these the guys in. Of, get the wedge out of kick returns. So. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. But you need to, right? You need to yeah. get these guys paid, and that's what it's about. It's about getting guys paid. It's about getting them health after playing, right, with the Hefney stuff. You see all that, and you can look it up yourself. I want to go into it. But it's about getting guys' health. It's about getting people paid, and it's about making it desirable for Americans to come up here against these other leagues, right? And, yeah, we – we're going to survive and all that stuff, but I can promise you it's, Hey, I might have two years to play this. I'm going where I get the biggest paycheck. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what, how some people think, especially if it's okay. Do I have to cross the border or not? Do I play the game I'm used to or not? I'm going to go where the biggest paycheck is. And if I get cut from over there, then I'll go try over here.
0: I will say the, I think the funniest thing of crawling out of the woods to tape this podcast today was there's all this discussion about quarterbacks. Are they here? Are they not? And, and you know, Americans coming across the border and being a camp and paying their own way and all these And then Chad Kelly just tweets out. I'll tell you this. The CFL is electric, baby. It's like the whole con- input, buddy. The whole conversation. It's just like, whoa, Chad Kelly does not sense the room necessarily. This is, this is crazy. <laughs> hey, man, this seems super fun. I don't know what's going hey, where
1: on. Where is everybody?
0: <laughs> just wandering around in the abyss. Where'd <laughs> he go? This, this,
1: I, think I'm, I think I'm the only quarterback here. This is said, awesome.
0: They said the field was big, but holy shit. It's crazy when there's nobody else on it.
1: <laughs> no, thanks john uh, appreciate it <laughs> uh
0: all right that is going to be the show for us this week it is the daily news make sure you give them a follow on social media at daily news 8 i am uh, at tsn underscore marsh at cf perspective and again thank you to fox 40 for helping us out don't forget to use that promo code cfp15 at checkout is where you can get it thank you michael we'll talk to you next week
1: see you guys appreciate you tuning in